Again, welcome everybody to our first hybrid service in the last year and a half. I begin this morning uh, with a bit of heavy news, uh, as those of you who've read my weekly email know that uh, we had a few evergreeners pass away in this past week. Um, Victor Okada, one of our prime timers, has been battling cancer for quite a while. He passed away last Wednesday, uh, hospice at his home. Um, also last Saturday, Brian Tatsuno, who is the husband of uh, one of our deacons, Shirley Tatsuno, passed away uh, at uh, USC, um, USC Keck Hospital. He had been battling a leaky heart valve. And then most recently, another one of our prime timers, Georg Wong, passed away. She had been battling cancer for about a decade. Uh, and so our hearts and our prayers definitely go out to their families uh, and uh, for uh, Shirley Tatsuno, her family, is well, her and her family as well. So as we begin, I know that this is sort of a, it's a celebratory experience, but we also kind of acknowledge that this journey has been difficult. And so would you just join me in a word of prayer as we pray a blessing and grace upon these families? God, we're so, we're so grateful that we're able to be here in person and online after so long. Uh, but we, we recognize, Lord, that this journey has been difficult as well as um, transformative in this time. Lord, this morning we, we recognize the loss of three uh, wonderful people from our congregation, Victor Okada, Brian Tatsuno, and Georg Wong. Lord, we, um, um, we just pray your grace and your peace and your mercy to fall upon their families, uh, for Victor, for uh, Candace and her family, um, for Georg's uh, daughter Jen and her family, and for Brian, Shirley, and her family, the Tatsuno family as well, and the Hiroaga family as well. Uh, we know that um, uh, today, on this weekend, uh, those, those families are missing these people very much, and so we just pray, Lord, your blessing upon them. Would you be with them, comfort them, and give them your peace? Lord, we also just welcome you again into this place and into this space, whether we are gathered here in the sanctuary or online. Lord, you unite us through the power and the unity and the connectivity of your spirit. In Jesus' name, we, we pray and we worship you. Amen. So good morning to both parts of our congregation. As we were talking about, it's been quite a journey. A year and a half ago, we had no idea what we were up against. I remember sitting on this stage and looking into, I think, the camera that we had back then. It wasn't even this camera. And telling everybody the unimaginable, that we were going to suspend all church programming until further notice. That suspension has lasted until now, until today. And so I am just so grateful to this congregation for all your graciousness and patience that you have shown us as the staff and volunteers here and leaders have tried to figure out what it means to be a digital congregation. And it was amazing to see all of you during this pandemic connect with each other, visiting each other, socially distant, but visiting each other, sending emails, making phone calls, sending texts. It was amazing to see you guys care for each other in this time. And I want to thank you. So many of you have been caring for the staff as well. 
encouraging us, praying for us, blessing us. I think we needed it because it's been tough. And I just want to take a moment before we begin just to thank my staff, our staff here at Evergreen, both ministry teams and admin teams who've worked so hard in the midst of a global crisis to take this entire congregation and all of its programming and move it online actually within a week's time. Our ministry staff found creative ways to move our programming onto YouTube and onto Zoom, and our admin staff worked hard to make our office and our campus virtual. I'm so grateful for this team. I actually still remember that emergency staff meeting that we had that one Thursday. We were sitting in the office where we looked at each other and we made the decision, and we said, ahead of the county's restrictions, we want to move online to get ahead of this pandemic. And I remember that day other pastors were calling me, asking me what we were doing. Were we closing? Were we staying open? It felt like everyone was really frantic at that point because what was happening was unimaginable. But the unimaginable has now become very normal. And I want us to grapple with that for a second, that the unimaginable has now become our new normal. We have gone through massive change in our lives. I mean, look at, just look around in this room. Those of you at home, look around and you'll notice that there's no congregation sitting next to you. What happens to a people when the unimaginable becomes normal? What happens to our mental health? What happens to our physical bodies? What happens to our relationships? What happens to our souls? When for 18 months, we endure a continuous flow of life-altering change. And here we are, in the fall of 2021, offices, schools, amusement parks are reopening. We're reopening. And in a Delta variant surge, those who are vaccinated, yeah, we have a level of protection, but there are still some who are not or cannot get vaccinated in our families, in our circles, in our congregation. And our children are among those. And those are the people we're sending back to school. And so we're seeing an increase in some cases again. You know, my aunt and uncle, they, they have this lake house in Lake Elsinore, way out in Lake Elsinore. It's a nice property right on the water. And about a month ago, they invited our whole family out to the lake and just to kind of have a sort of post-pandemic-ish uh, family get-together. And they have this flotation toy called the lily pad. Now, the lily pad, if you've seen one, is sort of like a large foam carpet <laughs> that sits on the surface of the water. It's like a lake thing. You don't see it at the ocean. Now, you can sit on it. You can stand on it. I mean, you can dance on it. If you search Google, there's all these people sort of wrestling on it. I don't know why. But if you, <laughs> it sits on the water. It's actually kind of remarkable. It's, it's really big, so you can do a lot on this. And so we get on. My daughters and I get on. Farah had the wisdom not to. Uh, and I'm laying on this lily pad with our girls. And because it's on the lake in the summer, you can imagine there's a lot of motorboats uh, driving by on the water. People are water skiing, wakeboarding, all sorts of you know, fun things. And the, wake, the waves from the boat are hitting this lily pad. And the motion of that thing, because it 
water. I think it's worse than if you're actually swimming in the water. It just goes up and down and up and down. And my daughters are sort of lying on me like this. And I'm laying there like, please get off me. And I just couldn't stay there for that long because the, the, the motion of the waves was just too much. And so I was like, okay, we're done. Let's get off. I'm getting seasick here. I couldn't take that constant up and down motion. And I think that's what a lot of us are feeling right now, that constant up and down motion. Because we're in this mask, oh, unmask. Open, oh, maybe close. Vaccine, oh, we need a booster. Up and down, back and forth. Do we go in? I mean, do we go out, do we stay in? Do we send our kids to school only to have them be exposed in the first week and then have to quarantine for another week after that? Do we go to that wedding or funeral? Do we have in-person worship just to risk shutting down for another two weeks because one of us here was exposed yesterday but we didn't know it? And it's not just the virus itself. We have been under what feels like a constant barrage of storms. From last year's incidents of the killing of black lives, the local wildfires that rained down ash, literally rained down ash on our neighborhoods, the anti-Asian violence that we experienced on our streets, to the insurrection of our nation's capital. And don't even get me started about the closure of soup plantation. It has been a rocky year, and we've all endured it. All this up and down, back and forth, it makes us exhausted because there's just no degree of certainty for us, even now, at this point in the pandemic. We can plan for a week or two, but then you hear everybody saying, well, when it comes to October, we'll see what happens, right? You have these plans, you, oh, let's, let's buy a plane ticket, oh, maybe we should put it on hold, because you just don't know what's gonna happen, and it makes us feel like we're not well. It's like being seasick. It's what I like to call pandemic nausea. Pandemic nausea. My spiritual director says that the macro level of change that we're experiencing is just draining all of us. And it's not like we can just get off the boat because the pandemic is everywhere. You go here, you go to Asia, you go to Europe, you go to Africa, Latin America, every place on this globe, the pandemic is there. It affects everyone. There's a passage in the Gospel of Mark where Jesus and his disciples, they face a similar situation. You see, they're crossing the Sea of Galilee when a storm hits. Now, a simple reading of the text might feel like it only applies to people who are in storms. Maybe those who this week have encountered Hurricane Ida. But I think even for, for us here today, this passage and this story can have much deeper implications and meaning for us all. And I want to use this as our overarching text for this series. And so let's read this together in Mark chapter 4. Starting at verse 30, 35, it says, That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, Jesus said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along, just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. And a furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? And so he got up. He rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. 
And then the wind died down and it was completely calm. Jesus said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and waves obey him. Now this is a familiar text to many of us, so familiar that we might overlook the significance I think that it has for us today. But I like this story because I think it's really funny. <laughs> Jesus tells the disciples as they are on the Sea of Galilee, let's pass through the other side. Now I just want to point out before we go on that the word go over to the other side that is found in the text, it has this strong sense of moving through something. A sense of moving through something. It's a traveling word, a journey word. And in the context of our reentry, we're on a journey as we talked about this summer in our Crossing Jordan series. I feel like it just seems like storms often hit when you're in transition from going from one place to the other. So Jesus and his disciples, they're all on these boats and the surface of the water, it starts to be in the squall erupting and chaotic, right? This violent storm causes the boat nearly to be swamped and these fishermen are terrified for their lives. These are not cowards. These are not people that are just afraid of the water. These are fishermen, people that have lived around maybe the Sea of Galilee all their lives. And so it must have been exceptional. This must have been an exceptional storm to have them spooked. And here's Jesus in the back sleeping on a pillow as if to rub it in how cozy he is while everyone else is freaking out. Sleeping might actually be the most relaxing thing that a human being can do, right? When people are relaxed and you see them sleeping, you're like, whoa, they're in that zone. The imagery here that we find in the text is polar opposite between the disciples and Jesus. It's opposite because the text wants to show us the vast difference between the two. It's almost like the disciples and Jesus, they're in two totally different realities, the disciples and Jesus are not experiencing the same thing. It's like Jesus is in a whole other world. The disciples in the storm. And Jesus somehow centered in the kingdom of God. And in this life-threatening storm, the disciples, as they stand on the boat, their feet touching the deck, they're only connected to that deck but it's like Jesus is connected to something deeper. Below the water, below the boat, below the storm. The boat is tossed about on the surface of the water, just like a lily pad on a lake. But Jesus seems to be anchored to something more stable, almost like he's anchored to the, the ocean floor, the, the, the sea floor, the, the Sea of Galilee floor itself. And although he's fully present in the storm, Although he's there physically, Jesus is tethered to something much deeper than the world all around us. So the disciples, they wake him up. And I don't know about you, but it almost seems like he's cranky <laughs> because they disturbed his little nap, right? I can kind of, in my imagination, I see him sort of shuffling to the edge of the boat and being like, quiet. He rebukes the wind and the waves. Quiet, be still. 
and everything dies down. And our reaction is the same as the disciples as we read this. Whoa. Whoa. Who is this, who is this man that the wind and the seas obey? And then the preacher says, Jesus has the power to calm the storm, and he has the power to calm all the storms in your life. Then the worship team comes up. We close in a song about how powerful God is, and everyone leaves and goes home happy, only to have missed perhaps the entire point of this passage. See, the real miracle is not that Jesus spoke to the storm and the storm listened. The real miracle is that Jesus was asleep through the whole thing. First, Jesus rebukes the storm, and then he rebukes the disciples. And it's that second rebuke, I think, that's the key to this whole passage. Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Because it's here, in verse 40 of chapter 4, that Jesus reveals he's not trying to show the disciples his power. He's trying to show the disciples his faith. Yes, Jesus says, I do have the power to stop the storm. But that doesn't matter. It actually doesn't matter that I have the power to, to stop the storm because, disciples, you'll just be afraid when the next storm comes. And the next. No matter if it's a rainstorm or if it's a cultural storm or if it's a relational storm or if it's a pandemic storm. The power to stop storms, beloved, is not yours to have. But the faith to be anchored in one. That's what I've come to give. Remember when I told you that Jesus uses this word that means moving through something at the beginning of the passage? You see, this whole text is not about stopping the storm, contrary to what the NIV subtitles say. This text is about moving through it. It's not about calming the storm, but about calming our souls. I think that's what we need right now. Because even if the pandemic goes away tomorrow, sooner or later, there's going to be another one. Even if whatever storm you're going through right now goes away tomorrow, sooner or later, there's going to be another one. But if we can be anchored like Jesus was, then we can weather every storm that comes our way. You know, the anchor actually predated the cross as the symbol of, the primary symbol of the Christian faith. The early church used this symbol of the anchor in a time of persecution when everything, including their safety, was uncertain. And it wasn't until Emperor Constantine came that the cross arose as the more dominant icon, possibly because the church went from being persecuted by the empire to actually being a part of it. I think it's so meaningful that one of the original symbols of our faith in Jesus Christ is actually the symbol that visually communicates us being tethered to something secure. 
that the early church might understand their faith in Jesus in those first few centuries to be what stabilized them, that their faith is what stabilized them during a period of great uncertainty and danger in life, even when people were persecuting them. And I imagine that the anchor as a symbol could actually give hope to people in those seasons, in those early years of the church when people saw it. They remembered that Jesus, Jesus is my anchor through every storm that comes. And they were reminded about the one they are anchored to, the one who conquered death and rose again. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19 says, we, hope, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. And that's my prayer for us all this day. Because we're all going through the storm. We're all actually going through the same big storm together. And we all have individual storms as well. And we might be feeling pretty nauseous right now from all the uncertainty and all the secure and that tethering that anchoring will help us to experience the peace that, that Jesus experienced on that boat my hope is that as we talk about being anchored in our storms we can get a glimpse of Jesus's peace now throughout the pandemic I found that certain spiritual practices and disciplines have provided a way for me to experience time to time it's been hard. It's been a rocky, a rocky season, as we talked about. But these spiritual disciplines, these spiritual practices, I think instead of being an extracurricular way to deepen our faith, they become more of a necessity to keep our sanity during this time, throughout the past 17 months. And I want to encourage us to do that this, this uh, season, this month and a half, next month and a half. But... As we journey further into our re-entry, we also want to make sure that as we do these practices that we're traveling forward together as a gathered community, not further into isolation. And so each week, what we're going to be doing in this series, I want to invite you into a community practice, a spiritual exercise that we can practice together, whether online or in person, in your small group, with your family, with your roommates, with a group of friends. These are practices that can be done for everyone, and everyone can be included. For example, you can practice a Sabbath day together with your apartment roommates, with a group of friends. Or you can do Alexio Divina online with your small group or with your, fam with your family. Excuse me. The point being that these community practices are meant to help us be anchored in Christ as a community. And so each Sunday, we'll be sharing a different anchoring community practice that you can engage together. And this morning, we'll begin with a practice that we're all very used to and that we do every month, the practice of communion. And you can, we're going to do this today together, but you can actually do this throughout the week or throughout the month if you want. You see, in communion, we partake of the bread and the cup, the symbols of Jesus' broken body and shed blood. And as we put these elements into our bodies, we experience the profound mystery that we are all part of the body of Christ and that we are all united with him. And as such, we are given access to that peace, that firmness, and that security 
to that anchoring faith that we talked about today. In a moment, Pastor January will lead us in a song of response, during which the ushers will dismiss our in-person congregation outside where Pastor Ryan will be waiting to distribute individually packaged communion elements. As you go outside, please take your elements and distance yourself in the quad. And for our online congregation, if you have not done so right now, I invite you, please gather your bread and cup at home in preparation for partaking of communion together. And at the conclusion of this worship song, I'll lead us all in communion together. So I want to invite Pastor January to lead us in a song of response. encouragement too, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh, now it's, well, sorry, didn't mean to pressure that of y'all. Anyway, this song actually has been really on my heart for the past few months of, of communion, and I love the word that Pastor Jason used, the word tethered. Oftentimes, for a personality like me and Randy, you know, we don't like being tethered to things, right? Like, we don't like being controlled. There's this aspect of being stuck. But, man, if there ever was a need to be tethered to family or community, it is now. And so as we sing about being tethered to God, I really pray that these practices that we embody will tether us to one another. That even if we want to roam, we can't. We're stuck with people we love. Not a bad thing. So let's sing this together. Whatever I walk through, whatever I walk through, wherever I am, your name can move mountains wherever I stand. And if ever I walk through the valley of death, I'll sing through the shadows my song of ascent. Whatever I walk, whatever. to stand in body and in spirit and let's respond to the word.
to go ahead and um, gather a community and we will take communion outside of Pastor Jason. I invite you to come up here. Oh, so this is one assurance you can take the congregation outdoors. community, go ahead and gather your elements now. Um, in-person community, we invite you to take our prepackaged bread and cup and spread out in the quad area, socially distanced or in your pods. Find an area of shade if you'd like. This is our first hybrid communion, <laughs> our first hybrid service and our first hybrid communion. And we're grateful to have the technology to be able to do so, to be able to be able to do both things at the exact same time. Pastor Ryan, can you hear me outside? We'll just wait a few more seconds as the uh, in-person community gathers uh, their bread and cup. Again, you can spread out in the quad. In the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 11, the Apostle Paul writes, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. 
Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. When we come to the communion table, we are reminded of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. This morning, as we partake of the elements of the bread and cup of Jesus' body and blood, I invite you to use some holy imagination to imagine that it is Christ himself that gives these elements to you, that gives these elements to your apartment, your roommates, that gives these elements to your family, to your friends, that gives these elements to you personally in your home right now. And as you swallow these symbols, know that Jesus wants you to receive, as you receive these symbols, to receive the faith that is found in him that can anchor us through any storm. Let's partake together as a church family. For those of us in person, you can open your, your bread now. And let's partake of the bread together. Those at home, please partake of your bread. And again, with that sacred imagination, imagine that Jesus now gives you the cup. You may open your cup. Those at home, you may partake of your cup now. I hope that as you take these elements, you sense the anchoring of your soul to Jesus Christ and to his faith and to the peace and stillness that can be found in the kingdom of God through him. May this peace and stillness give you a sense of steadiness in all this uncertainty that we face. May it give you a sense of rest. May it give you a sense of trust. This is the God who loves us and he wants to give this to us. And now as we prepare to end this service, I want you to receive the blessing of the benediction. May you find yourselves secure and still in the faith of Jesus Christ in the sleeping Christ this week and feel anchored to him. God bless you. Grace and peace to you. We'll see you online and in person. Thanks for worshiping with us.